Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to welcome a dear friend of mine, Miranda Newsom, to the show. Welcome, Miranda. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Miranda is a mechanical engineer for Northrop Grumman and is currently pursuing her Master's of Engineering Management through Penn State University. Prior to Northrop Grumman, she was a mechanical engineer intern for Rio Tinto and an undergraduate research assistant while she earned her Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Utah. So outside of engineering, Miranda, I found out that you love creative writing and you actually just finished a draft of your first novel. So I have to ask, can we have a sneak peek? Like, what is about? Yeah, for sure. I have to say that when I got a little insight into the questions that were going to be asked and was like sending the bio information and was talking about that, I was like, okay, I need to think of a way to talk about this book well, because I've hardly talked to anyone about it. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) But I just finished like a first draft a few months ago. It's um, actually like not related to engineering at all. It's kind of like a YA contemporary novel. And I would say like the theme of it is kind of learning how to have like confidence and acceptance of the fact that life is going to have challenges. Kind of from a teenage perspective, I think that for me and a lot of people, that might be a time where you realize that life has potential to get really hard. And then you have to kind of decide how resilient you're going to be and Yeah. So that's kind of the overall overview of what it's about. Oh my gosh, Miranda, this is perfect. Okay. And I actually, fun fact, I didn't know that that's what the book was about. This is a perfect segue into our conversation (laughs) about career confidence. So wow, way to nail it. Yeah. yeah, So this month we are diving into a concept of building career confidence. And Miranda, I I thought you would be a great person to interview for this. You have such an interesting um, career path, especially for women, I would say. And so I'm really, really excited to dive deeper into this conversation. So to kind of start off recently, I was reading this article and it was, I think it was called engineering myths. And it basically talks about, you know, a lot of people think that engineers are male. They don't have any social skills. um, They have really limited interests. They love math. Nobody loves math. Um, They aren't creative. So there's a lot of these different stereotypes. I'm sure you've probably heard all of those different things. Um, So I want you to kind of break down these myths and, and talk to us about, you know, have you actually seen some of these stereotypes and what parts of them are and aren't true? Yeah, it's funny. I was reading that article that you sent. And I mean, for sure, like you hear some of them all the time, like the antisocial thing, like a joke that I hear all the time is that you can tell like an engineer is an extrovert if they look at your shoes when they're talking to you instead of their own shoes when they're talking to you. (laughs) I'm like, I get told that joke all the time when I tell people I'm an engineer. Uh, But but yeah, I mean, as far as like breaking down the like myths and stereotypes, I think that I mean, with anything, like if you're looking for a stereotype, then you're going to like convince yourself it's true. Cause I think your brain kind of like discards anything that um, like refutes that information. And then like, what, if you see something that lines up with the stereotype you have, you're like, yep, there it is. But I mean, I think in general, engineering is such a broad field that it's impossible. It would be impossible to even have stereotypes because like you need engineers to engineer like stuff that people consider like cool and athletic, right? Like bikes and skis or like you need engineers like software engineers to like make really great like social media website platforms or like you know what I mean yeah and then for sure and even when there are really like technical sides of things and usually to be successful like it requires a huge range of skill set besides just you know being able to like type numbers into a calculator and never look up from your desk (laughs) and so 
I mean, I think, I think I, I can laugh at the stereotypes and I think that sometimes if you're looking for it, you'll see them or, you know, some, some people like prefer more social jobs than other people. Some people prefer, you know, different things, but, um, that's what I think is really cool about engineering is that you actually have such a broad range of possibilities that you can do and like teams you can work with that if you really like try to nail down stereotypes for real, I don't even think that's possible. Well, and I love that you're opening up the conversation to what an engineer is, because I think oftentimes we funnel it into a couple of different types of jobs, but we forget, just like you said, you know, there are a lot of, lots of different types of engineers, whether it's, you know, using a computer or you're building a car, like there's all kinds of different engineers. So I love that you're bringing that up. Um, And to kind of continue on the same vein, I'm curious, you kind of mentioned, I, I need to have lots of different skill sets to be successful. So would you say that creativity is something that you use in your job? And if so, how? Oh, Completely. It's funny, like when I first started writing college essays of why I wanted to go into engineering, I said, I basically would just say, I want to solve problems. And engineering is a great means to do that. It's pretty broad. And I still think like at a very basic level, that's true. Like if you want to solve problems, then you need to be creative because the reason a problem exists is that it's, there's not an obvious solution, right? So you have to be able to like think outside the box, try different things. Yeah. So, I mean, seeing creativity play a role in my job, I see it all the time at a non-engineering level, like just figuring out like how we're going to make a program work, how we're going to make a schedule work, how we're going to work within certain constraints. And then at an engineering level, um, I had an experience probably within my first year when I started, I was pretty new at my job that kind of taught me like a really good attitude to have when approaching engineering problems, which is that I was working with a coworker to try to figure out if we could fabricate something in-house. And historically that thing had been made by like casting an obsolete material and don't need to get into the boring details and reinforce <laughs> any boring stereotypes. But, but we basically had to find a new way to make this thing that wasn't obvious because it, had, it used to be made completely differently. And this coworker, as we were talking about it, it took us like longer than we thought to figure it out. And I was getting a little bit worried that there wouldn't be a way to do it, which, you know, some problems you do get stumped or have to look a different direction. But he said that something that his, I think his dad had taught him because his dad was a manufacturer was that there's always a way to accomplish what you're trying to do if you're willing to think about it differently or like look for creative solutions. So, you know, if you're trying to meet this function, but maybe you can make it a different way, or maybe you can, instead of making something as one piece, make it as two and put them together later, things like that, which I really like. Like now I think about what he said all the time when I'm thinking about solving problems is that if you're willing to be creative, then there's going to be a solution 99% of the time. Absolutely. Well, and that, what, what you were just talking about made me think of the need for adaptability and to be creative, especially in times of COVID-19, where there are not always clear answers to things, right? You know, yeah. education, for example, you know, a lot of college students and, and professors and everybody else, we had to shift overnight and say, okay, how do we make this all online? And nobody was prepared for that. Nobody had an answer, a good answer, at least for that question. And so I love that you're bringing up this idea of, of really learning how to be adaptable and, and ask, you know, how can we solve a problem rather than there's a roadblock? I guess we're done. <laughs> so I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even it's kind of funny because you, I think sometimes people think either someone's creative or they're not, but I, I really think if you make like the conscious effort to say to yourself, like, okay, think it, be willing to be innovative and be willing to think of different solutions. I think like even just doing that totally can change a train of thought. 
Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can be creative in their own way. I love that. Okay, so another part of this question that I kind of wanted to dig into a little bit is what communication and and what role, I guess, that plays in your job. Um, So I'd love to hear about kind of the communication slash social skills that you need to be successful. I feel intimidated by this question because people can like clearly hear my communication skills right now. No, but I mean, I think that with almost every job, communication skills are extremely important and engineering is no different. And I don't think that needs to even be an intimidating thing because I think people have different strengths in communicating. But, you know, technical writing is very important um, to be able to portray something in a report or something written that you won't be there to explain and making sure that it still can make sense to someone reading off of a paper. I think that there is like formal communication that's important, like being able to present, you know, from a PowerPoint or to be able to give a briefing in front of leadership, in front of a customer. And then um, I think the informal communication is something that is like harder to nail down the importance of, but is equally, if not more important than formal communication. Something that I have found in my job that like makes things flow better with the team or helps me to know who I need to talk to if I have a question about something slash feel comfortable asking for help and to have good relationships with the customer is just like being able to form, you know, professional bonds and even friendships with the people that you work with. And like, before I started working, I wouldn't have even really thought that I would be trying to become friends with like my customer as well, or like other people that I work with, like not within my immediate company. But if you have like those social skills or those goals, then I think that it makes like all of the technical work that much easier because you already have like that relationship established, you already have some rapport, you already have some like trust inherently that comes with like forming a relationship with someone. Absolutely. Well, and I love, cause really what you're getting at is networking, right? We're professionally yeah. connecting with people. And I know sometimes when, especially when students hear that word, they go, Oh, like that. I'm picturing <laughs> like me talking to somebody in a tie, a suit and a tie, and it's really uncomfortable. And I, and like everybody turns into robots and it's like, it's this really awkward um, conversation. But what you're describing is just the natural building of relationships in a professional setting. So I love that. I love that approach to it. As we kind of transition here, Something that also has been on my mind and I've kind of alluded to um, is the fact that this is really a a male-dominated field. Um, The Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2019, they always collect data about um, different stats around employment. And one of the stats that I came across was that 6.6% of all mechanical engineers in the U.S. are are female. Um, So it's fair to say there aren't a ton of women in this field. And so I'm really curious, thinking back, especially to your bachelor's program, you know, what were your classes like? I mean, is that really the population that you saw in classes? And then also, well, we'll start there. Was that what you saw in class? Yeah. So that 6.6% number is probably a little bit smaller than what I saw in class. I was really interested actually when I saw that statistic that you sent and was doing a little bit of Googling on like, is the percentage of female engineers graduating increasing every year? Like, do we expect to see that number go up? I think that there might be some varying numbers depending on, you know, what studies or investigation was done, but it looked like for the most part, we're seeing like a 20% woman graduation right now, but it looks like that 20%, that number has been hovering around 20% for like the last few years. Like it had been increasing and now it's kind of plateaued, which is interesting. I thought when I looked it up, I would see that like the numbers were climbing and would continue to climb. And then I could answer this question and say, it's only 6.6% now, but like the numbers, (laughs) which 20% is for sure an improvement over 6.6%. But yeah, so to answer the first question, it mirrored the classroom demographics and that it was definitely more male dominant. There was a higher percentage of women, but 
Um, I think that 20% number probably is pretty closely representative to what I had in my classes. Sure. And yeah. and so kind of a follow-up question to that. I'm curious, um, and obviously we're not going to name any names here, but I am curious, did you see gender bias or, or discrimination, you know, whether it was a professor or maybe kind of within the content, was there anything that would you kind of say the class was maybe geared towards men more than women? Did you notice any of that? I think as far as specific classes go, I had, I mean, I had great professors and the people that I would study with or do group projects with. I felt like I had a good experience as far as like avoiding any of the gender bias or discrimination. Um, I think the main thing that I would see that wasn't so obvious is that people have made and like I still sometimes hear comments that say, oh, that's so awesome that you're a woman in engineering. You're going to have so many opportunities because companies are trying to hire women. Companies are trying to have more women in leadership roles are trying to have more women higher up which, you know, isn't inherently a bad thing. Like diversity is really important, not even just with male women, like all diversity is very important, but sometimes it gets framed in a way that sounds like you'll get these opportunities because you're a woman and like there's a paradigm shift that favors you that way. Instead of saying, you can have these opportunities because you are just as capable as anyone else, you know? And I think a lot of times when people say things like that, they don't even mean it to be offensive or like they don't consider themselves biased and like probably aren't for the most part. But that's probably what I would see the most is just people assuming that like it might be a little bit easier getting a foot in the world and then like working toward like goals or like career options that I want because there are fewer women and more companies wanting to hire women. This is so interesting. And I'm going to jump to a question that's a little later than I had originally planned to talk about, but because this is on my mind. And and so I guess a question, like a follow-up question that I have, and I'm guessing other people are going to have is, so what can men allies do in the field, right? So, because I think this is a real issue and, and it's not just an engineering there's a lot of fields where I think this is the case. Um, so what what advice or, you know, what recommendations would you have for somebody who's like, you know, I hear you, Miranda, I want to help and support women in engineering, but I'm not exactly sure what that means or what that looks like. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I recognize that like being a woman also isn't the only way to potentially feel like there's some kind of barrier. Like I know that being, you know, a minority in race or like a lot of different things um, can also have this issue. And so something that I've been thinking, so I, I feel like I've been trying to think about, okay, I feel like I can understand this from one perspective because I'm a woman in a male dominated field. So I can understand kind of the side where I'm a minority. And then in a lot of ways, I can probably under the, understand the side where I've had like a lot of privilege and majority because, you know, I am like a white woman, able-bodied, like everything sure. like that. So I really like that question because I could kind of think about it from both sides. Um, and I think that something that I would say for like anyone trying to be an ally to perhaps an underrepresented group to kind of carry on from what I was talking about before about how people don't, most people don't like consider themselves prejudiced or biased. And I think that's great. And I think that probably most people, their intent is like rarely malicious, but I think it's maybe important to ask yourself how you think about things or how you say things. And if there's like any way that that could be construed or interpreted as biased or like as somehow talking down to someone or like implying something that is probably not productive. Um, And then I think the other thing is that again, because most people don't consider themselves prejudiced is that maybe 
they don't think that it's an issue like overall because they aren't prejudiced or like the people that they spend time with aren't prejudiced, which is great. But I think that the world obviously isn't perfect and it still exists. So I think it's also important to be willing to listen to people when they say that they feel like they're experiencing prejudice if they're suggesting that maybe there's a policy or something that can change that can help address this issue rather than assuming that it's a non-issue because you personally don't feel like you hold any bias. I think it's important to just be kind of willing to listen and um, take action from what you hear. Absolutely. Yeah. I I love this idea of listening and also just being self-aware. I think that's kind of what I was hearing from you is saying something. And and I think there's also a really important lesson of if we do, and it's not really an if question, it's more of a when we say something that hurts somebody else, we can always apologize. We can always work our way back and say, I recognize, you know, yesterday, Miranda, maybe I said something that I realized could have been taken this way. I'm really sorry if it came out that way. That's not what I meant. Right. So we can always use communication to repair Um, So I think that's a really valuable tool that we can all add to our tool belt, but I really love those insights. One other question that I have kind of in relation to um, women in the field, but also in the classroom, you know, I'm curious, this is just a really intense program, generally speaking, right? Engineering is not an easy program. You don't go into engineering to get in and out of there really fast. So I'm curious, what were some of the essential skills that you felt like you developed or needed to survive that program? Yeah, so I would say that starting in school from the very beginning, it's probably good to feel like you have like some basic math science concepts. But I think like the most important skill or like, I like how you said tool in your tool belt, like tool to have is a willingness to learn and like the confidence that you can learn because people are going to start engineering at like a variety of levels. Some people are starting and they have been graduated from high school 10 years and like have been doing their own thing as like a mechanic at a car shop or like, and then some people are starting fresh out of high school and have maybe like done very little hands-on work or like just did the basics of what was required in high school. And like both are fine. And so I think it's hard when you start school and you feel like, oh, I don't have the skills that I see this other person have. I'm already not going to cut it. (laughs) But like, that's what your classes are for, are to teach you. And in my experience, um, most professors or TAs have, you know, office hours or like opportunities to get help if you need it, but you need that willingness to learn and like that willingness to ask for help when you need it and to, you know, work hard. And then I think as you progress through school and are starting in your career, of course, then you need more like hard engineering skills. And that can be a breadth of things depending on what your career path is. But I think that you can build those skills in school if you are starting with that basic like willingness to learn, willingness to work hard and to ask questions, then you should be able to learn what you need to know going forward. I love that. And that leads me into my next question. And I know this is like not the funnest question to get asked, but I'm curious, have you ever felt imposter syndrome or that feeling of um, maybe I don't belong here? You kind of alluded to the fact that that's probably a common feeling in the program, but I'm curious for you personally, have you ever felt that whether it was in school, maybe on the job? And then how did you overcome that or work through it? Talk to us about a a time when you've kind of walked through that process. Yes. To answer the first part of the question, if I've felt that at school or on the job, yes to both. (laughs) For sure. I think that one thing that helped me get through it is I definitely felt it when I started school, which is kind of what I was alluding to. I I suddenly felt like, oh, I don't know as much about this stuff as some people that seem to already know and have experience. 
And I think it helped me when I, I don't remember where I learned it, but I remember like learning that imposter syndrome, like has a name, is an actual thing that people experience. Because then I could put a word to it and say, I'm not alone feeling this way. Like it's imposter syndrome is a term because a lot of people feel this way. And so then it's a little bit easier to say, okay, knowing that I can work on moving past it as opposed to thinking I'm just an imposter the whole time. Yeah. Um, And I think that another thing, that is really helpful is realizing that in almost every environment you're in, it's okay to ask for help if you don't know. So if you're feeling like an, like, I think something that comes with imposter syndrome is like feeling like I don't know as much as everyone around me and I'm going to get asked a question or a project or something that I'm not going to know. And then like, everyone's going to find out or I'm going to be so embarrassed or whatever. But I mean, in most cases, Worst case scenario is that you get handed a project or you get handed something to do that you don't understand yet is that you can ask for help. And unless you like are in a toxic environment, you won't be looked down upon for asking for help. And if you are, then you probably want to find a way to remove yourself from that environment anyway. Absolutely. Um, And then the other thing that I was thinking about that helped me get through it is looking back at times where I initially had felt unsure of myself or maybe overwhelmed and then was able to accomplish what I had been worried about. And so I think as you have these confidence building moments where you are assigned something, you get asked to do something and at first you think that you aren't sure if you have the skill set to do it and then eventually are successful, then you can use that as a stepping stone the next time you feel a little bit nervous to be able to say to yourself, okay, well, I've, it's, this isn't a foreign situation to feel overwhelmed or like, or like I'm worried about my capabilities to accomplish this thing. I've done it before and I can do it again. And that might include asking for help, like I talked about, but I think as we like grow confident, a way to grow confidence in ourselves is to be able to like look back at our past successes. I love that so much. I love this idea of it might be a new problem, but it's not a new process that we have to use to necessarily figure it out. So, oh, Miranda, that was gold. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. So my next question, as we're kind of talking about these hard times and you've kind of, kind of mentioned this as well, um, but I'd love to hear about some of the champions that have really helped you get to where you are in your career, whether it's family, um, maybe it's a good mentor at work, maybe it's um, your faculty. So I, I'd love to hear about people that have really helped you get to where you're at. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like you first mentioned, my family and specifically my parents, I think we're really great at like instilling in me that I can do anything I want. I mean, it's not even necessarily related to engineering, but my dad, for example, when I was younger and I was very serious about soccer, if I had like a weakness or something that I felt like I wanted to work on, he like would teach me the process to work on it. So we would go to the soccer field and we would set out cones and we would work on it for hours. And then he would show me just because you're like not at your goal right now, doesn't mean that you can't get there. And then he instilled that in me and everything with me and everything with school, whatever. So I think that was really helpful just from like a foundation building standpoint. Um, And then in my career specifically, I've had really great like managers and leadership at my company, which I'm really grateful for. I have sort of a mentor that I've worked with really since I started. um, And now he's actually my manager. But from the time that I started, he was very good about giving me tasks and delegating to me. And I thought that that was really great because it one showed that he had confidence by the fact that he was willing to give me tasks instead of micromanaging or hovering or saying, okay, this is how you do it. Watch me. And two, like we were talking about, it was giving me those opportunities to be successful and build my confidence. And so I think maybe that's just like my moral of my story always. But I think that the people that are willing to help you build confidence in yourself by like giving you your own opportunities for growth and then being willing to help you if you ask for help, I think that 
I think that's really critical. Love that. So Miranda, I would love to hear some advice that you would give to women who are considering a career in mechanical engineering. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I have a lot of positive things to say about the career of engineering as a whole. I think that most people can find um, a career in engineering that relates to one of their interests. So Miranda, I would love to hear some advice that you have for women who are considering a career in mechanical engineering. Um, Well, first of all, I have a lot of positive things to say about the mechanical engineering career field as a whole. Um, I think that um, if a woman is considering a career in mechanical engineering and is trying to figure out if it will align with like her specific interests, there is a very high probability that it will just because there are so many job opportunities in different fields. Like when I first started thinking about engineering when I was in high school, I thought that I wanted to design roller coasters for amusement parks because that sounded really fun. And then when I was partway through school, I thought that it would be really neat to um, be involved in like the biomedical engineering industry, you know, like designing medical devices because I wanted to potentially help like that group of people. And then I did an internship in the mining industry and now I'm in the defense industry and like really like that job. And that's like a tiny percentage of like the different span of jobs that are out there. So I think that if someone wants a career field where they can feel like they won't be limited and can find something that matches their interests. And then even if their interests shift, feel like it's a wise career path to take in order to broaden their horizons and potential opportunities for growth. I would say engineering is a great option for that. I think that if women are like, feel analytically minded, um, like to think logically, but also have a creative side, like we were talking about earlier, I think that engineering is a great field. So yeah, I think that's, I think those are the, that's the major advice that I'd give is kind of think about what you want for your long-term goals and see if there's a way that engineering can meet those goals. And I think that it likely can. And then I think that they can feel some confidence going forward. Love that, Miranda. So Miranda, as we come to a close, I would love to ask you one final question. And that question is, if you could give us one piece of advice about building career confidence, what would it be? I think my piece of advice about building career confidence is find that one or like handful of things that you feel really good about for yourself that you feel very competent about. That thing can be a specific skill. Like it can be a social skill. It can be, you know, an area of science or a class that you felt very good at. I would take that thing and build from it and know that the next thing that you can learn, you can learn just as well as that thing. And also, you know, search for opportunities where you can use those strengths that you have and then use those opportunities to build other strengths so that going forward, you have even more of a foundation to work off of. And then I think that, because I think it's easy to be confident in, you know, one thing or a smaller group of things, even if you don't feel confident in your abilities as a whole, because there's a wide range of things that you need in the workplace. But as you build off of those individual things, then over time, you'll look back and realize that you've cultivated skills in all these areas and you can feel confident about that. Miranda, I love this theme throughout our entire chat today. There's kind of been this theme of building off of past experience and past skills. And I think that's such a great approach. Again, as we enter these, not enter, as we live these times of COVID-19 where things continue to change, um, I think reflecting on what we already know, what we already have skills in, and then just saying, you know what, I'm going to adapt a little bit. I'm going to add this tool to my, my toolkit today. I'm going to add this piece and this piece. I just think that that's a way to approach gaining new skills without feeling overwhelmed. And I think that will really resonate with a lot of our students listening. So I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. It's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us here at the Career Studio today. Please remember to join us next week as we begin to discuss our new monthly theme of lifelong learning. Lifelong learning.